Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. We know that as this podcast is getting released today, we're right here in the middle of Lent. And that wanted to be one of the things I wanted to talk about today here, Father, was, you know, we all begin Lent with the emphasis of kind of making ourselves better and making ourselves more pure and going in the right direction. And this light bulb just hit me as I was saying that sentence. In some ways, that seems like the same thing as purgatory here on earth. Um, hmm. So so with that being the thought, as it's just popping on my head here, sometimes we have these struggles, you know, probably more so depending upon what we pick as our Lenten sacrifice. And I kind of wanted to, to have a moment here to talk about the importance of why we do this and also, what is one of these things that maybe you have to look for next Lent next year down the road, or even adjusting here midstream, that is an appropriate sacrifice to be pushing ourselves, and what isn't? Because I know that in the past, you know, giving up chocolate, giving up, you know, one thing or the other, yeah, that can be difficult in the beginning, but after a certain amount of time, your body just kind of adjusts, and by the end, you're just used to it. So, with that being said, you know, as we enter into here, what is, let's start with the very basics, as we're doing in some ways with this podcast, the adult teaching, what is the importance of doing Latin sacrifices, if there is one, and how should we implement that into our own preparation for Easter? Yeah, well, it's an important question. And uh, as you said, Joe, there is an element of purification, and a fancy word for purification is purgation. And of course, the place of purgation after death is what we call purgatory. And uh, Lent has a quality of being a little preparation and hopefully a little bit of uh, an advanced investment in avoiding purgatory. So we do a little bit more here now, and so we do a little bit less after death later. And it helps us to draw closer to the Lord now, which is what purgatory does. It prepares us for and helps us to enter into heaven. So we can get a little taste of heaven on earth by also doing a little bit of purification. And the mm -hmm. church arranges that in her liturgical cycle, arranges the calendar of the year in a way that gives us some purification and gives us in Easter some rejoicing. St. Augustine points out that there are 50 days of Easter, only 40 days of Lent, and that's intentional, because there's more rejoicing than purification. So we even signify that on the calendar. But in terms of our purification, I think the most important thing, and this ties together with our last podcast, is to not fall into discouragement. I think discouragement is the great enemy that has a way of really pulling the air out of our tires. It has a way of stopping us in our tracks. It has a way of thwarting all forward movement. And I think discouragement is one of the great tools of the enemy, of the devil, in trying to get us off track. So as we're in the midst of Lent, I really want to encourage our listeners to beware of that demon of discouragement. And 
again, based on what we said in our last podcast, there's a reason not to be discouraged if you're Christian, because you believe that God can work all things to the good. All things are possible with God. And furthermore, let me take this another step and go back to Lenten penances. St. Gregory the Great, a doctor of the church, lived in the 6th century, a great author, spiritual teacher. He said the sign of a good penance is that you fail at it. Okay. That sounds surprising. Everybody perked their ears up there. What? What? Oh, I'm, I can, I'm good at failing at penances. Okay, tell me more. He said the sign of a, a good penance is that you fail at it, that you strive to do more than you're able to. But here's the key thing. When you fail, just like we were talking about in the last podcast, don't waste time beating yourself up. Don't waste time going over, I always fail at this penance. I'm useless. I'll never get it. I'll never get through. I can never make it through a Lent. I'm so imperfect. God will never accept me. Don't waste any time with that. There's no point in it. Rather, when we fail, let us come before the Lord like the tax collector who said, Have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. Jesus said about that tax collector, Amen, I say to you, that man went home justified. Because God does have mercy. The most important thing we can get out of Lent is being really convinced that God is merciful. And what better way to be convinced that God is merciful than to, with a sincere heart, we don't strive to fail, but when we fail, when we strive out of the goodness of our heart to do something great for the Lord, and we fall short, that we turn to Him contrite, a sinner, but confident in His mercy. If we grow in our confidence in the mercy of God through Lent, that's the most important thing that we could get out of it. And that sets the tone for the whole rest of our life. And it goes back to that point we were making in the last podcast. The thing that slows us down the most is the fear of failure. And so the thing that will help us to accelerate the most toward heaven is confidence in the mercy of God. That even if we fail, it'll be okay. God is powerful enough and he wants to help us no matter how many times we fail. And then we really move forward with him. And that's really what it's all about. So when we look at it, each of us have our own set of strengths and set of weaknesses. Is it, it this could be, it totally doesn't matter, I have no idea. Um, is this one of the things where we should focus on making our strengths better because those are what God has given us to enhance them, to grow them, so we can then use them, you know, continuing on in life? Or is it one of the things where we should try to lift our weaknesses higher um, so that we don't have as many valleys? Um, it's just one of the, the general questions I've had. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so both. <laughs> yeah, we always want to build on our strengths. And that's uh, it's good business, and it's good spirituality. We want to build on our strengths. Uh, the most important thing is actually to know our strengths and our weaknesses. And then in knowing our weaknesses, there's kind of two things that can happen there. One is that we might actually grow in the areas of our weaknesses. It happens. You can think of it's always good to make physical analogies. You know, if you're a weightlifter or you're, you do some particular exercises, 
and you know where some of your shortcomings are. Maybe your biceps or triceps or pectorals or whatever. Uh, you can work on those. You can focus on them. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a limit to how much you can grow. I'm never going to bench 400 pounds. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't have the muscle mass. I don't have the I don't have the dedication. <laughs> I don't have levels of self-punishment that it would take. Um, so while I can build a certain amount on my weaknesses, there's going to be some limits. And the most important thing is to know where my limits are. Knowing that I won't ever bench 400 pounds, then I shouldn't ever act as if I could bench 400 pounds. I should know when I need to pick something up or lift something off of me, I need help. Mm -hmm. And so learning where we need help is so crucial. And that help is going to come from Jesus. And if we can really bring our weaknesses to him, I think we've talked about this before in prayer too, that the most important thing we can do is pray from our weaknesses. And so I come before him as a sinner. I come before him with my human limitations. I come before him with my disordered desires and with my feelings of inadequacy, with my my shame. I come before him with all these things that I don't like to show or to admit, but it's part of me. And when I can be honest and vulnerable with him like that, something very beautiful happens in that time of prayer. So the most important thing is to know where our weaknesses are and then bring those to Jesus and trust in his So when we're thinking about what to do in Lent, uh, as you were asking, do we build on our strengths? Do we try to curb or build up our weaknesses? Well, sure, yes. Uh, we want to do both of those things. And And again, the most important thing is actually knowing. You're sort of presuming that we know where our strengths and our weaknesses are, that we're willing to admit those things. That step is probably the less common among people and the more important that we come to know. And that's why when we set out to do a penance and we fail at it, well, we've discovered a weakness, and we've also gotten the opportunity to ask God for help and to seek his mercy. And ultimately, the goal is never... Let me repeat it. The goal is never to be able to do everything so that I don't need anyone or anything, even God. And that temptation to self-sufficiency is very prominent in our modern world, and it's very prominent in our human disorders. But if we think about it, perfect self-sufficiency so that I don't need anyone or anything, not even God, That's what we call hell. It's total isolation. Our weaknesses are a blessing because they keep us humble and they keep us open to being helped so that we don't become isolated, but we always need to reach out and be supported by God and supported by others. And it's in those relationships, in that communion, that's the most precious part of our human existence. And that's what heaven consists of. We don't become our own God and rule over our own world in in heaven we become intimately united and totally commune in love with god and with everyone else total relationship not total isolation yeah that's uh makes a lot of sense there that when when you think about it so again looking at this through the way of doing the adult growth where we're not looking at this no longer as as the nine-year-old way it was taught to us you know, what is the kind of way to look at us spiritually where we're 
best and weakest at because just taking it from my element in the world of sales here there's many aspects of it in the big sales circle that you have to do you have to figure out who you want to talk to and then you have to go physically set an appointment with them then you have to talk to them then you have to figure about what they need figure out if you actually can do it and then show them that you could do it and then ultimately go through the rest of your sale and and, and collect and then follow up upon your promise on the back end because that's ultimately no matter what you're selling it's pretty much down that circle and each one of those spokes along that wheel is a little bit different than the one before and yes there's some carryover but they do start to get different to the point where people with different personalities want to focus on this quadrant or this section and for me example I like being in person talking to people figuring out what they want what their needs are and coming up with solutions I really do not like all the follow-up paperwork and figuring out the scheduling and all that that that's not my strength so what we did which is probably what most of the great companies out there do is we found people who do like doing that stuff and <laughs> paired them up together so I use that as a very simple analogy because I'm assuming that the spiritual side of it is probably a wheel that's 10 to 20 times larger with many more spokes in it that there's going to be people out there that are better at one part of it than the other and how do we know where we are good at and what even the options are to go through it because I think that each of us have a different answer to that question and probably somewhere totality lies the answer yeah that's right there uh, we talk about in the church the mystical body of Christ and we use the analogy of a body that not everybody is the hand not everybody is the foot not everybody is the eye the ear the mouth and so in the spiritual realm we certainly do have strengths and weaknesses and we support each other and the body doesn't need to see and the feet don't need to talk and so um, knowing where our strengths are what we can offer is is very important so and that's that's really something that I think the church is trying to develop more fully now and it's a blessing to do something like this with you Joe because you have uh, skills and gifts and uh, insights that I don't have. You're working in a realm and connected with people that I'm not connected to. Mm -hmm. You have your own way of, of living out your your spirituality, your relationship with Christ in the world of sales that is not my world. Uh, and even as you point out, you know, specific areas in the world of sales are a little bit more your forte than than other areas. Mm -hmm. And so as we're bringing our Christian faith into a lot of different areas in our lives, yeah, very much. We get to know our weaknesses, and other people support those. We get to know our strengths, and we want to build on those. And so it's not going to be everybody's strength to talk about prayer, you know, or to, to teach. It's not going to be everybody's strength to, um, yeah, or, or to have a certain kind of intercessory prayer. Some people have a real gift for intercession. And they see the fruits of it. They pray for 
even miraculous things and amazing things happen. Um, they get a sense. God gives them some light about what he wants them to pray for, and they pray for it, and it takes place. Amazing things. Uh, so whether that's a, a miraculous healing, whether that's for a certain encounter to take place, um, and apart from maybe the selfish desires, certainly things in the world of sales too, that, that the right buyer will come along, that the, uh, the right, you know, and, and for really good reasons. There are people that sell homes because they need the money, because they're going to move, they get into a crunch situation, and sometimes there's a movement to pray for them. And that helps the, the right buyer to come along. So, yeah, in the in the spiritual world, there certainly are a variety of gifts. We, the, the funny Greek word that's been brought into English is charism. There are different charisms, and um, and we support each other in those charisms for our own growth and holiness, and also for building up the body of Christ, building up the church by supporting each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we all have our, our parts that are stronger and weaker. And that's actually one of the things that I didn't even really think existed or really hadn't dwelled that much time as far as, as you know, maybe it might be the, the selfish, self-consuming part of it is I tend to always have enough stuff myself going wrong to, to pray for, let alone to sit back and think about about, about the rest of it, you know. Um, you know, so, so that's that's just a... An interesting aside that I didn't even know was was a thing, really. Um, so, so a, as we we sit here, uh, we might have some people going, "Well, I've really picked the wrong wrong direction to go for this Lenten sacrifice." And knowing that that Lent is the part of the year where we highlight the specific element, um, knowing that we don't have to do the full it's not just this 40 days it's, it's essentially a lifetime of preparation how do we go forward with that because you know there's so many people that, that you know they give up the one of the food items you know give up chocolate and then as soon as Easter happens all they're doing is just pounding all the chocolate covered eggs they can find and they're just like alright so, so, so you made it to your time limit and you achieved it but God's immortal, so therefore there's not a end time for 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 your sacrifice. So how do we how do we hone ourselves moving to the next steps here? So that's that's the question as as we move forward here to the uh, to the next part of our cast here. Well, as you point out, Joe, we're we're in the midst of Lent, and so people might have a, a lot of different feelings about what they started out doing, or maybe they didn't start out doing anything, or maybe they've failed and are in that place of discouragement, and hopefully our words have helped to lift them out of that a little bit and get a, a new beginning. And it's a simple thing we should know. Every day is a day for a new beginning. It's one of the gifts of the cycle of the sunrise and the sunset. When the sun comes up, start again, begin again. And that's really one of the beautiful gifts of our Christian faith. We can always begin again, never too late. And the scriptures tell us this in the most amazing way, even the last breath of our life. Think of the good thief. Is enough time to begin again and even to make it to heaven. So uh, we can begin again. We should be encouraged by that. And maybe we want to pick up whatever we set out doing in Lent. I'd like to offer a reflection, and this could be 
an addition for this Lent or a modification or just thinking ahead to the next Lent or whenever. These are good things for our Christian life. But the basic structure that we're given in the Gospel on Ash Wednesday, also from the Sermon on the Mount, is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. A lot of times we end up focusing a lot of attention in Lent on that fasting part, but really the call is for all three of those, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And those things have to do with our relationships. Prayer has to do with our relationship with God. Fasting has to do with our relationship with ourselves. And almsgiving has to do with our relationship with others. Now there's some overflow. We pray for others. We pray for ourselves. We fast for God's sake. And also we offer... Anyway, there's some overflow. But basically those three categories are three different categories of relationship. And so the goal in Lent is to have some healing in all of those areas. We want to grow in and heal in our relationship with God, heal in our relationship with ourselves. Sometimes we really abuse ourselves by the kinds of things that we eat, or the lack of exercise, or the, the, the ways that we don't sleep enough, or that we sleep too much, or that whatever it is. Really restoring our relationship with ourselves is, is an important part of wellness, which is such a popular thing these days, but there's a point to that. So fasting has to do with wellness in a certain sense. And then almsgiving, we're talking about, we think of alms as money for the poor, but of course, in general, it's about love. Alms actually comes from the Greek, Greek word for mercy, so it's really mercy giving. And mercy is love for those who don't necessarily deserve it. It's the free gift of love, even for sinners, even for those who have hurt us, even for those who have not earned it or ha are not in relationship with us. So, so almsgiving is about healing our relationships. And in that light, I always recommend to people to do something in each of those categories, to have a little bit of prayer. It doesn't have to be a huge increase in time, but maybe a change in quality. Um, maybe praying that Divine Mercy Chaplet or the Divine Mercy Novena, as you mentioned in a previous podcast, praying Jesus, I trust in you 30 times a day, which is going to take all of about 30 seconds. Hmm. Uh, not a lot of time, but if you prayed Jesus, I trust in you 30 times in a day, it would make a big difference in your life. When we think of fasting, of course, we can think of those foods that are bad for us. That would be a good starting point. And sugar is not inherently bad for us, but certainly in big quantities, and it's not going to hurt us to give it up. And mm -hmm. so that's a common one. Maybe just Help giving up too. soda. What's that? Help you sleep, too. That's right. Yeah, it does so many good things. White refined sugar is kind of a disaster. It really <laughs> uh, can have some good effects on your body to see what it's like to go without it for 40 days. So we can think of some of those things. I also like to promote uh, exercise. There's a, there's a day in the church, and some of these things got brought out by, I don't know, the Da Vinci Code and this kind of thing, where there was some physical discipline where you take a, you know, a, a cord, a, a kind of belt, and sort of hit the skin on the back and, you know, not drawing blood or anything like that, but it's just you feel it. Mm -hmm. So there's a time that we did that in the church. We tend to think that that's kind of barbaric now, but... Uh, if you went out running for an hour and you practically threw up at the end, people would go, man, you're like really working hard. That's great. Keep <laughs> that up. Um, I think that's kind of barbaric. 
But anyway, I think modern exercise done in the right way that really pushes ourselves and helps us deny ourselves and helps our bodies, and it's good fasting. So I think in the fasting category, uh, modifying our food, modifying our exercise uh, is good. Talked about prayer. And then in almsgiving, certainly giving money to the poor is a very good thing to do. Do it. Try it. Tithing. You can talk and read about people that tithe, that give 10% of their income off the top to charity. The incredible things that happen in their lives. It's amazing. God is never outdone in generosity. So I wouldn't short shift that at all. Give a little bit more. If you only give 1%, give 2%. If you give 2%, give 4%. Whatever it is, making a little increase in there makes a huge difference. But other forms of almsgiving also are things like give an affirmation. Write an email to somebody and tell them how much you appreciate them. Just give some encouragement. Build somebody up. Offer a look at some areas where there are some grudges, resentments. Work on forgiveness. Let some things go. Offer mercy. We can think of uh, random acts of kindness. We can think of uh, ways of encouraging people, leaving gifts for people, and they don't even know who left it for them. Think of one of your colleagues, somebody who's having a bad day. Leave them a chocolate. Leave them a note. Leave them a whatever. Um, so just uh, little little expressions like that can be helpful. Uh, Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Again, adjusting our relationship with God. A little bit more prayer, a little different prayer perhaps. Uh, our relationship with ourselves in terms of fasting. Another form of fasting is things like Facebook, social media. Stuff that's really distracting us and fragmenting our minds and, and uh, causing a leading us to that heart attack like we talked about earlier. and uh, All that kind of stuff. Let go of it. Change some of those behaviors. And and then also almsgiving. Mercy. How can we strengthen relationships? Make an act of love for your wife. Bring her some flowers. Write her a card. Um, or, you know, a colleague, a child. Uh, so many ways that we can express our love for our brothers and sisters. There's a lot of a lot of good answers in there. You know, it's um, it's one of these things that I think that, that and this might be the part of it, um, that that we need to look into, or I might be off base again, but it seems that when you look at all three of those, even though the fasting element is about the, yourself, it's really about opening up and looking around you, um, regardless of, of what that person is and the relationship you have with them, is just to make it better and. If, if I'm understanding you correctly, the joy of that is that it's about helping other people more so it is yourself because you get more for yourself by actually helping others, even though that sounds like a paradox. And that, to me, um, is one of the, 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 the things I remember verbatim from school. <laughs> that that it, It's a religion about helping others. It's not a religion about you just submitting to what God wants. It's about you going out and creating relations to to glorify God by helping each other. And that's um, that's one of the things there. So, as we uh, as we conclude this podcast here, are there any final notes that you want to make sure we don't miss here, Father? 
<laughs> well, I would just like to emphasize again that demon of discouragement, don't let that demon of discouragement get the upper hand. No matter where you are, today is the day to begin again. It's not too late. There's still time left. And we set out on a, on a new leaf with confidence that God works all things to the good. His love for us is boundless and everlasting, and he wants nothing more than for us to receive that love today. He wants us to be like little children who need help, so we shouldn't be afraid of being little children who need help. And let's ask for the help that we need from our brothers and sisters, and certainly also from the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank everyone for listening. Hopefully we're able to go out and implement this into our lives, both spiritually and in action. Thank you all, and have a great week.